Spencer Speaks Sports here on a late Wednesday, early Thursday. Haven't quite determined when I'm going to release this, but um, since I am likely not going to have a Friday episode because I'm going to be uh, at my conference championships for cross country there. Um, so, yeah, so I, I'm going to hold back the release of the Wednesday episode, like I said, later in the day or early uh, Thursday. Um but uh, anyway, in this episode, I think um, kind of surprising how basketball heavy it is. I did not really intend for that, but um, that's how it's going to be, I guess. So um, I'll just get right into it. And uh, yeah, I think this was a little bit of a shocking news. And this is more of like local capital region um, flair to the podcast here. But uh, Will Brown, the coach of U Albany, the Great Danes, uh, he decided to, well, him and the program decided to part ways um, just, I believe, yesterday, two days ago. And this was after a second round loss in the American East uh, Commerce Championship Tournament. Uh, U Albany, I think they might have lost to Hartford or whoever it was. But anyway, um, <clears throat> so Will Brown was the coach for almost 20 years and uh, he basically adopted the team a year after they had uh, become a division one program and um, yeah, made five tournaments, I believe 06, 07, and then 13 through 15. Um, obviously I, I'm very fond and, and remember the 13 through 15 run there um, played some good teams, pretty close um in fact i think in uh 2006 uh they had like a double digit lead on uh on the university of connecticut who was the one seed that year um until connecticut eventually blew the doors open and won i would say pretty handily by like 13 um but anyway um yeah this this move is definitely surprising to me um just maybe because uh it's like a COVID year so you would you would think coaches would get the benefit of the doubt um with everything but who knows this could have been his call as well um i do think in a way that this his tenure was kind of exhausted at this point um just uh because like i, I mean haven't made the tournament and this is now going to be year six um so i think uh and maybe there wasn't really a signs of things getting better maybe there this was the perfect time for a change i'm not exactly sure what everybody was thinking that was um uh involved in this situation but uh, i th i um yeah, I guess it's. I guess it is what it is. Uh, I, I just think it's going to be very tough to replace the success that Will Brown has had. Uh, it may take, who knows, another five years to for them to have a shot at getting into the tournament. Um, so I want to uh, move on from that, but stick with college basketball because uh, Tuesday night there were two uh, top six matchups happening. One was in the Big Twelve between third-ranked Baylor and then versus sixth-ranked uh, West Virginia. And this game was, uh, at, at first, it looked like it could have been a Baylor blowout, but uh, turns out West Virginia was able to figure out some things and and make a, um, make a run. Actually did have the lead um, until Baylor uh, had a layup with like two seconds to go uh, heading into, well, which led them to go into overtime. It was 81 all at that point. Um, and I think uh, 
it was it was close throughout the overtime period, which is five minutes in in college. And uh, I think the the biggest thing that happened was that West Virginia had two. Uh, turnovers and back-to-back possessions with under a minute to go and then they had like two missed shots as well after that Uh, that eventually led to Baylor getting that uh, 94 89 uh, victory there and uh, it's I mean I I, the thing that I'm kind of looking at is uh, Derek Culver's involvement so Culver is is the um uh, dominant big man for West Virginia, and he was only 0 for 3 from the field, but uh, he still got to the line 10 times and shot 90%, so he was 9 for 10, finished with 9 points, but uh, still, you were, if you're a West Virginia fan, you're looking for Culver to have bigger involvement, at least make a couple shots um, around the rim there. I, I guess it could have been Baylor's strategy to uh, to just try to foul him and, and not give him an easy bucket, but uh, like I said, pretty efficient from the line, and um, I, I think uh, West Virginia should be thankful that they got 26 off of the bench from Taz Sherman, uh, one of their guards there, and the Baylor I th- outshot them. I think they Baylor might have shot in over 50% from the field. Uh, they definitely showed why they're one of the top offensive scoring 94 points. Um, I think again, I mean, they probably scored above 90 a bunch this season. And um, yeah, I just, uh, I, to me, I guess I'm kind of surprised that West Virginia uh, was, was this close in the game. And, uh, but I guess that could be a good thing when it comes tournament time, when they Hopefully when they make a deep run and um, are able to compete with these big uh, teams like Gonzaga, who they played earlier and lost in a it was pretty it was a pretty close game. And then Baylor here um, or other teams like Michigan or Illinois, who did play each other last night. That was the other top six matchup there. Illinois, number four in the country, Michigan, number two. And this was a. Uh, t- to me, a shocking result. Um, I did not expect Illinois to blow Michigan out of the water here. The final score was 76 to 53, and um, Illinois now is Im- improves to 19 and six. Michigan falls to 18 and two, so only their second loss of the season. Not a not a huge deal. Shouldn't really impact them um, moving down from the one line for the tournament, being the one of the four top four uh, top seeds there, and. Um, I think a big thing was just shooting from the field. Illinois shot 46%, and they also shot 46% just from the three-point line. Michigan was 34% from the field and shot 28% from the three-throw line. And Illinois put up 15 more shots than Michigan did. So more shots, a higher percentage, obviously that's going to lead to a large margin of victory. Uh, Illinois also out-rebounded Michigan the 42 to 26 and that if i mean if you're getting a ton of boards like that that's going to lead to a lot of section uh second chance points there we go second chance points on offense and yeah it was 22 to 5 in that uh stat so michigan not a lot of second chance opportunities because illinois was just dominating uh getting the rebounds there and that was the big separator um not nothing much uh, to it there. Just Michigan had a bad shooting night at, in their home uh, gym there, which is kind of surprising. But uh, yeah, Illinois came to play, and Illinois could be—they're definitely in the one C conversation along with 
I mean, I think, like I said, Michigan stays there. But Illinois is is starting to is trying to join the party. Um, obviously, Gonzaga doesn't seem like they're gonna be losing anytime soon um, prior to the tournament. And then uh, you would think Baylor is 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 part of that one seed group there. Uh, okay, and then I think yes, the last thing I wanted to talk about in regards to college basketball was there was an announcement that came out about the National Invitational Tournament, the NIT, and this is a tournament, a postseason tournament that is um, used for the basically the best teams who didn't make the actual NCAA tournament, the Big 68 team tournament. So there's typically there's a 32 team tournament that happens as well um, where they play at campus sites and then the final four teams play at Madison Square Garden. Uh, but this year it's a little different. There's only going to be 16 teams and it's going to be at one central location or at, or two gyms they may be using. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's all going to be in the Dallas Fort Worth area. I think North Texas was university was um or University of North Texas was one of the locations that they're um, deciding to use. So um, they'll play in that gym there. Um, so, but anyway, I, I, I still think it's going to be um, entertaining the watch. I'll, I'll still probably tune into the semifinals and finals um, or, or maybe even the earlier matchups uh, as the tournament goes on or whatever. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think it'll having, half of the amount of teams i don't think it'll take away from anything um okay so let me stick with basketball but i want to talk about the nba standings here as we enter into the all-star break which is this weekend and um just basically i I just want to comment on how uh crazy or crazy close uh these standings are and uh it's um like in the east for example we have so the boston celtics who are actually out of the playoffs late last week before they played the Indiana Pacers. Um, they're actually the ninth seed in the East. Um, they are now up to the four seed. So in a span of less than a week, the Celtics have moved up five spots in the standings. So that's a one way to tell you how close it is. Um, so you have 76ers at 23 and 12 right now. Then you have the Nets a half game back, the Milwaukee Bucks two games back of the Sixers, and then you have the Celtics at five games back of Philadelphia. Um, so then if you go from the Celtics, who are now these games back, I'm going to say are compared to Philadelphia still. So Celtics are five games back. Meanwhile, the 14th best team in the East, the Orlando Magic, are 10 games back. So there's a five-game span between the Celtics and the Magic still, and that's between your 14 and uh, four seeds. So there's still a lot to be determined here. Um, And then if you go from, say, like the 13 seed uh, Washington, they're nine games back of the Sixers. So there's still a lot of, um, yeah, like I said, a lot to be worked out here. Um, You have Indiana and Chicago, who are two games behind the Celtics right now at the nine and ten spots. Um, so the playoffs are doing something a little different this year. So they're kind of adopting what they did in the bubble. Um, actually, you know what? Let me uh, let me pull something up to where someone has to actually has it out in writing here. All right. So th- so this is like the play-in tournament for the for the NBA. Technically. 
when you get to the play in uh, stage of the NBA season, you're going to have 10 teams in the Eastern conference, 10 teams in the Western conference. So, uh, let me just start reading. This is an article from the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, and this was, what was this from? This is from November 17th. Okay, so it says, earlier today, the MBA Board of Governors unanimously approved a proposal to implement a playoff play-in tournament on a one-year basis for the 2020-21 season. The play-in tournament, which will take place after the regular season and before the first round of the playoffs, will include the teams with the seventh highest to the tenth highest winning percentage in each conference. The teams with the seventh highest and eighth highest winning percentage in each conference will each have two opportunities to win one game to earn a playoff spot. The teams with the ninth and the tenth highest winning percentages in each conference will have will each have to win two consecutive games to earn a playoff spot at the conclusion of the regular season the team with the seventh highest winning percentage in each conference will host a team with the eighth highest winning percentage in this conference in a playing game known as the seven eight game the winner of the seven eight game in each conference will be the seventh seed in the playoffs for its conference the team with the ninth highest winning percentage in each conference will host a team with the tenth highest winning percentage in its conference in a playing game, the 9-10 game. The loser of the 7-8 game will host the winner of the 9-10 game in a playing game, and the winner of that game will be the eighth seed in the playoffs for its conference. So after that long uh, reading of paragraphs, um, you should be able to get an idea of of how that works. And I guess, let me just use an example here. So you have Eastern conference, seven through 10 seeds, heat Hornets, Pacers, Bulls. So the heat would play the Hornets and the winner of that game would be the seventh seed. So say the heat, win, the heat are the seventh seed, there you go. So then you have the Pacers and the Bulls playing each other. Nine, 10 match at the Pacers win. the Bulls are eliminated from trying to get into the playoffs. The Pacers are still alive. That means the Hornets and the Pacers play each other for the eighth seed and say the Hornets win, then the Hornets are the eighth seed in the playoffs. All right. So I'm pretty sure I have exhausted myself in explaining that. Um, let me get actually back into my thoughts on what are going on and what's going on here. Um, if I'm talking about the Western conference, it is very, I guess, cool and interesting to see the jazz and the Suns at one and two right now in the standings, uh, Lakers and Clippers are at three and four, um, yeah, I mean, the, the Suns are, I, I'm kind of surprised that the Suns are this good. Um, they, they have a lot of talent, but it's young talent. Uh, but still there's, they're, they're proving everybody wrong. They just beat the Lakers last night, 114 to 104. Uh, and even that's even with Devin Booker, their star player getting ejected, uh, during, uh, during the game there, um, still one by 10 and, Obviously, the Lakers do not have Anthony Davis, uh, one of the probably one of the five or ten best players in the league, alongside with LeBron James there. Uh, but Lakers, it seems like they're managing. They'll still have a reasonable seed in the playoffs here, um, with the hopes that AD comes back to uh, uh, make that playoff push once they get there. But uh, yeah, it's just it's interesting to me to see that. Yeah, Jazz and Suns. Um, the Jazz have not blinked yet um they're still 
seven and three in their last 10. Um, Suns are actually eight and two. Uh, so yeah, I think that young talent from Phoenix with Booker, eight and uh, I mean, Chris Paul having that veteran presence in in the Suns lineup is is helping immensely. I think Chris Paul is kind of underappreciated with the impact he has on rosters. Heck, he got the Oklahoma City Thunder to a, to the playoffs um, last year. Um, so uh, so yeah, so maybe it may not stay the same. You could expect the Clippers to possibly move up to a higher seed, but uh, for now, I mean those those two teams look like, like obviously look like the two hottest teams in the Western Conference. Um, another surprising thing is the, the five seed right now, the San Antonio Spurs, because they don't necessarily have like big names. I mean, you have DeMar DeRozan there. Um, who else? Uh, uh, is Patty Mills still on there? I don't think he, oh, no, no, he can't be. Oh yeah. He's still on the roster. Patty Mills. Um, Giante Murray. I think LaMarcus Aldridge is out right now, but LaMarcus Aldridge is a big uh, um, impact uh, power forward player there. Uh, Rudy Gay off the bench. Um, so I think it's it's a testament to Greg Popovich's coaching. And obviously with the recent history of the Spurs, I mean, they've won five NBA titles in the last, like, uh, I think just over 20 years here. Um, so it's, so Popovich is able to adjust accordingly with the roster he has, and it's proving uh, to be the case right now. And it's like the East. It's it's very tight in the standings because um, you have the Spurs, who are seven games back of the Jazz, um, like I said, at the, at the five uh, spot right now. But if you go down to the Mavericks, who are currently 10th in the Western Conference, they are two games back of the Spurs. So... Yeah, it's like I said, like or like I keep saying, a lot to be determined here. Um, teams are roughly at game. It looks like f- game 35, 36 of the uh, of the season there. So uh, so there's a yeah, that's basically the halfway point because you got a 72 game schedule. Uh, so yeah, a lot a lot to be uh, determined, and uh, maybe maybe post All Star break or, or next week I'll. Uh, I'll look to maybe make some stronger predictions of who I think will be uh, in the playoffs, but uh, we'll have to see with that. And um, so, yeah, like I said, basketball heavy uh, episode here, but I wanted to close with uh, this literally happened. I I swear like 10 minutes after I I, uh, published my, uh, my Monday episode there, um, the spitball sessions or whatever, uh, but yeah, I was not expecting a move to be made with JJ Watt. Um, obviously, I talked about him last week, two weeks ago, whatever it was, about how I thought he was going to go to the Green Bay Packers. But uh, he surprised pretty much um, everybody who wasn't a fan of the Arizona Cart or an expert who was a fan of the Arizona Cardinals. Um, and yeah, and and is at Arizona now. Um, I think a factor that JJ Watt said or the reason why he went there um was uh, because kyler murray is at the quarterback position and uh, I, I guess it makes sense i don't know well i think his time at houston was done regardless so it it, it didn't I, I don't think deshaun watson he's he's away from that um when it comes to qb consideration for watt and free agency uh but yeah i i just i mean it's um 
it's a little confusing, but it also makes sense because it seems like he still went for the money. He still went for the big contract of, uh, what is it, $15, $16 million a year um, signing with Arizona. I think, uh, I mean, obviously he wants to win a championship, but money still played a heavy factor in picking a team. Uh, but it, it, I'm intrigued to see what it looks like because if you have Chandler Jones, who was – I believe it was out last season had, um, I don't want to, was it an ACL? Uh, I can't, I can't think of the exact injury, but anyway, he was out for a long period of time. Didn't play much last season. Uh, so if you have a healthy Chandler Jones and a healthy JJ Watt, who I believe it was since, oh man, since 2015, they are one and two when it comes to, um, leading the league in sacks. And, uh, it, so, if you have Watt healthy, Chandler Jones healthy, that's going to be a tough for whoever's offensive line has to go up against that. And I think the thing you hope with the Cardinals, or if you're a Cardinals fan, is that the offense is able to be uh, productive there. Kyler Murray is able to stay healthy because I think, especially with Watt coming onto the team now, the expectations have to be playoffs, no doubt, um, even in the tough NFC West with the LA Rams, San Francisco 49ers, and Seattle Seahawks, you still have to have at least a hope for a wild card um, in in the playoffs there. Uh, because heck, going into the last week of the season, week 17, they had the opportunity to be in the playoffs, but they lost to the Rams, um, so they were eliminated. But uh, yeah, I, I think the ex- expectations for Arizona should be um, getting to the playoffs. Um, so, all right, that's uh, that's all I got. Um, so like I said, doubtful about a Friday episode. So that's why I kind of delayed the, the Wednesday episode release. Um, so, so yeah, I guess we'll see what happens. Uh, who, who knows? Uh, but yeah, if, if, uh, that's the case, then I will probably have a slightly longer Monday episode, uh, just to cover any, everything or just catch up on everything that happened. But, um, like I, like I keep saying, we'll, we'll have to see. Uh, so um, anyway, uh, yeah, that's all I got. And I will see you all Friday, Monday. I don't know. Sunday? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. All right, bye.